are listening to True Crime Fiction, feeding your addiction to the best of the written and the spoken word in crime. If you would like to support the podcast, you can do so for as little as £1 at patreon.com slash truecrimefiction. Welcome listeners and I am just going to do a quick rundown this episode of what I have been watching and reading in crime fiction and true crime recently. Firstly, The Unforgotten has returned to ITV with season five and a new character, Jess James, played by Sinead Keegan, who takes over from Nicola Walker's Cassie Stewart. Walker's understated but masterful portrayal of Stuart and her relationship with Sonny Khan, played by Sanjeev Bhaskar, was so central to the series that at the end of season four, her untimely death left many wondering if The Unforgotten would be returning. Return it has, and it felt like a huge risk to replace a character who, in the hands of a lesser talent, may have faded into the background. No one wanted a replacement for Cassie that tried to be a carbon copy, and yet no one could quite understand how the show would work without her. Which is partly why Basker's portrayal of a prolonged and the quietly destructive grief Sonny has for his colleague, which underlies his day-to-day life, felt so real and present. Jess is a character who we only get to see on what could be the worst week of her life while also starting a role where she has massive shoes to fill. So in many ways, despite watching her solve the first case with the team with more downs than ups, we still have not really got to know who she is and there is much about her yet to be discovered. In the journey of both Jess and Sunny, we see the seeds of what has made Chris Lang's series so extraordinary. It's adherence to the principle that drama does not have to be dramatic. There is enough story in the quiet reality of people's lives to be mined that we don't need to rely on the flashy criminal mastermind or increasingly unrealistic serial killer signatures. In season five, we also saw the series stray more into political territory than it has occupied before, building in themes around the legacy of the slave trade, racism and the impact of austerity, an agenda which has been a narrative dropped by mainstream media recently due to the omni-shambles of the country. The Unforgotten has addressed some issues around racism before, with Sonny's quiet disapproval of Rami Sidhu, played by Faldwit Shama, but it has never before looked at its structural qualities or how historically those who do the most damage pay the smallest price. Secondly, in the Saturday Guardian, Lucinda Rosenfeld wonders about the women who commit horrible crimes but are also abused by the men they commit those crimes for or with. Are they victim or villain? The more I have read true crime, the more I have pondered this. Ghislaine Maxwell, Rose West and Myra Hindley have all made me ask this question over time. West was 15 and Hindley 18 when they met their undoubtedly manipulative and violent men they committed their heinous crimes with. Maxwell is a different matter, having been a full adult when she started her international sex trafficking ring with Epstein. She has, however, as Pollock details, been terribly abused by her father and grew up in an undoubtedly toxic environment. 
It is a conversation that is about more than just guilt and mitigating circumstances, though. The age of criminal responsibility has always been difficult to define, and even more so now that we realise a change of date does not convey anyone with sudden maturity, personal growth or self-awareness and personal responsibility. In fact, we probably all know people who failed to exhibit one or all of these qualities despite their age. And if we are truly honest, depending on stress levels, health and a myriad of other life factors, we probably all fall short on some of these counts at times. However, I would hope my readers are not falling short to the amount that they commit crime. And after thinking about the question of criminal responsibility and abuse, the topic starts to become even more thorny. There is, however, a more difficult question underlying all of it. This is a question that is not often asked or talked about, but I believe has had an impact on many of the worst behaviours in our society. Lack of tolerance, political difference, spilling over into violent speech and actions, othering of minorities and the general and more previously mentioned omni-shambles of society. It is our inability to see anything as having more than one facet. As a society, we want things to be either black or white, good or bad, to neatly fit into an easy box. The thing about life is it's messy and constantly changing and that it's never or rarely that simple. It's interesting to note that it's often cultures that have developed alongside monotheistic belief systems as opposed to polytheistic cultures that need this fixed and rigid definition. We do women no favours if we discount their violence, their crimes or the great damage we can do and only see them as victims. More importantly, we compound the damage they have done to their victims. We, however, also do wrong if we don't take into account the fact that we live in a society where it is all too easy for impressionable, vulnerable young women to be manipulated by older and more powerful men. My answer to the question is that we should never be asking if these women are victims or villains and instead let go of the pervasive perfect victim fallacy and accept that a great deal of the time people can be both. You have been listening to True Crime Fiction, the podcast that is feeding your addiction to all things crime. You can find our website at true-crime-fiction.com, on Twitter at true underscore crime underscore fic, on Facebook and Instagram as True Crime Fiction. Please rate and review on the podcast app of your choice. Music is by Kitty Kitty Meow Meow.